When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And what's up? Welcome in GC Live Wednesday episode. Wes Mitchell here. Chris Clark turning the page from Mississippi State to Tennessee as South Carolina gets ready to head down to Knoxville this weekend. Another key SEC matchup for the Gamecocks. Gamecocks, an underdog against the Vols. Uh, Not quite as big of an underdog as they were last year, but an underdog by uh, double digits nonetheless. So uh, we'll see what happens there. And we'll start to kind of really just dive into this game today, mainly focusing on what South Carolina's coordinators had to say. Dal Loggins, Clayton White, Pete Limbo, all speaking both on their units uh, specifically and then, of course, on this exact game as well. Uh, but first of all, I'm going to tell you about our friend Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933. If you want to buy a house, Clint is your guy throughout the state of South Carolina. He is a mortgage broker. Not only uh, a business friend of mine, but a good personal friend as well, and someone that uh, is going to take care of you. Huge Gamecock fan, huge supporter of us here on Gamecock Central and on GC Live, as always. Shout out to Clint, clinthammond.com. So, Chris, coordinators talking today. It it seems like inevitably people always want to talk offense a little bit more than they do defense or or even special teams, even though special teams probably – gets talked about more by South Carolina fans than maybe any other program in the country because of kind of the special teams culture they've kind of built here. But even you can see it in our views when we post all the videos on YouTube, offense always grabs the attention, I feel like. And for South Carolina, you obviously have two attention getters in Spencer Rattler and Xavier Leggett so far this year. But Dow Loggins speaking today, talked a little bit big picture, did talk, some about Tennessee and, and what they, uh, I guess, are going to face this weekend. But, Chris, uh, I'll let you go first, man, since I've talked for about 10 minutes here, it feels like. What <laughs> um, what was your initial takeaway, biggest picture thought from Dow Loggins on Tennessee today? Well, what stood out to me, Wes, is something he said toward the end of his availability, and that was just kind of talking about Tennessee's front four and their front seven. And he said it's as good as they have faced so far. Now, I think that the North Carolina front that South Carolina played, Wes, um, has probably played, you know, better. Like a little bit. They played more up to the par that we saw in their recruiting rankings, right? Kyman Rucker has been – He, I think he had two and a half sacks against the Gamecocks. He um, has had a big year so far, and we know they have some talent on that front, right? Mississippi State is a program that, you know, Shane Beamer really talked up their front for. And you look at back at their recruiting rankings, Wes, they have some guys too. The one that I think maybe would be the most interesting comparison is Georgia, right? They seems like the past couple of years they've lost some talent off that front four, front seven each year. They tend to reload because of just how they're recruiting. But for Dow Loggins to say this is, you know, as good of a front as they has as they have faced, that stood out to me. Um, because he talked a little bit about some of the procedural stuff. You got to keep in mind that they are going to be on the road, right? So there's going to be times where you have silent snap counts. There's going to be communication issues that come up during the game. Spencer Rattler, we know, checks them into a lot of plays. Dow Loggins gave him a lot of credit um, for checking them in and out of plays on Saturday against Mississippi State. So all that's going to make it more and more difficult of a challenge when you're on the road, the communication gets hampered a little bit. The communication is very important when you're facing a really good front, especially just to stay on the same page. And so he seems, you know, concerned rightfully so about those things against a good Tennessee front. Yeah. Lots of pressure from Tennessee, uh, you know, on opponents and uh, shout out to David uh, from Nashville. I actually met David uh, prior to the game on Saturday, so uh, that was cool. Met some Gamecock fans 
and uh, enjoyed meeting and talking with David there. So uh, shout out, David. Appreciate you watching again, man. Um, yeah, so we, we knew coming in this was going to be a test for South Carolina up front. And, uh, you know, Dow Loggins, I, I don't think necessarily is much into the whole coach speak um, game. Like he, he tends to – he almost, Chris, just rather than give you the coach speak – feels like he'll just avoid the topic um, if he if he doesn't really want to talk about it. Um, you know, even go back, something we've talked about quite a bit, if you look at sort of how he handled the questions about what gives you confidence in this running game going into the season, and he said, uh, you know, I'm excited to see what happens, basically. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I don't think this is him just hyping up a, a front to get the attention of his guys. I don't think this is – you know, your typical coach speak, like I, I tend to think he he believes it. And, um, you know, this will be a firm test for South Carolina. As much as we talk about the offense that Tennessee is going to bring and, you know, the fact they got a quarterback who can throw the ball 80 yards and, you know, how how fast their tempo is on offense, they, they actually statistically have been very good on defense so far this year. So I, I think if you're South Carolina – you really have, even when you haven't run the ball, you've moved the ball. Really, I feel like against about everybody based on what Rattler and Leggett and then some of the other receivers have done. So you go into this one. I think the big question, football is a game of matchups, man. We saw them make some progress in the running game against Mississippi State. How much of what we've seen, I thought they protected Rattler pretty well in that game too. How much of what we've seen, as far as progress internally for South Carolina translates over to what I think probably is a little bit better defensive front for Tennessee as you look at that specific matchup going into this week? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think the area that has to translate, Wes, um, well, let me back up. Not translate, but the area that you have to build on, I think, is the good that we saw from the run game. Now, I think watching it live, you could still tell there was some ups and downs. Um, going back and watching it again and having time to kind of just look over the stat book even to kind of make sure that that's kind of matching what your what your eyes saw. Um, it was still an uneven, you know, performance overall, right? And I know you've brought this up. Um, with the run game, there there was some good, there was some bad, and that was on everyone, right? There were some times where the offensive line, I felt like they had their best run-blocking performance of the season, and when they did, there were some times that the backs maybe missed a cutback or missed a hole or tripped, right? Um, there were times where the backs were hit or it was blocked for a yard or two, and they got a little bit more. They need to be able to build on that because, again, Spencer Rattler and Xavier Leggett, man, as good as they have been, and it looks like you'll get a Marion Brown back for this game, which is huge, obviously. As good as those guys have been, do you want to become overly reliant on hitting the big play? No. I mean, I still think South Carolina, those two, they're going to make more big plays this season. But you do need to be able to establish the run, and particularly on the road, you're not going to want get want to get in third and longer situations over and over and over. And really, Wes, we saw that in Athens against Georgia, against a really good front. When it got loud, uh, Spencer Rattler was able to convert some of those, but there were other times where they were not able to convert. So, you know, you look at the communication, you look at the the penalties that you're trying to avoid on the road, getting you backed up. I think this is another week where you have to try to be better than you have been, just stack every single week and try to be a little bit better uh, each week running the football. Now, can South Carolina do that? We don't know yet. It's a it's a big, big question, obviously. Yeah, for sure. So um, my, my biggest takeaway from what Logan said was really just the amount of detail that he went into talking about Spencer Rattler and his progress. And, you know, I, I told you off air earlier today, I was, I was looking sort of on Twitter at there still being, even from, you know, a guy I actually quote a lot, uh, Stato War, Parker Fleming on Twitter, uh, you know, does a great job with analytics and stuff like that. South Carolina's passing game, still not getting a uh, much love 
from the analytics as far as efficiency. And it was sort of mentioned almost like as a negative for Spencer Rattler's game that you're throwing a bunch of short passes. And, you know, to me, man, they've had, they've probably had to throw way more short passes than they probably wanted to coming into this season as an extension of their running game. But when they've thrown the ball down the field, they've really, I would say, been about as efficient as I've ever seen a South Carolina football team at connecting on balls down the field. And so, you know, to me, it's not quite fair necessarily to take away from Rattler because there have been, you know, a lot of short passes at times. And I, I think just you look at his understanding of defenses now and an understanding of what they want to do on offense, you can sort of frame it up. Well, hey, this long Leggett touchdown pass, one of them had a lot of air yards. The other one was an underneath throw. But let's throw in the context, the nuance of this is an underneath throw where he's looking off the first guy, going to a second guy, and then looking to his third, sort of manipulating the pocket a little bit, throwing the ball from a three-quarter angle, and then basically puts the ball where his receiver can catch it in stride and turn up field. So even all short passes, I think this is where the analytics came, and I, I enjoy the analytics stuff. I really do. The analytics stuff sometimes misses the mark, especially early in the season, it, it doesn't really have the context of all short completions are not the same. All um, all passing designs of, of short passes aren't the same. And when your quarterback is going, dropping back and flying through first read, second read, third read, and hitting those plays, he mentioned one of the drops against Georgia is Rattler going one, two, three, and delivering the football. Um He's talking about him getting the ball out to Mario Anderson on that. I think it was a 10-yard completion where it's a short pass. But how about the fact that he's gone through his progression, he's about to get hit, and he still gets the football out to Mario Anderson. So I, I think there, there are people who are still maybe looking at what Rattler has done in the past and haven't really watched South Carolina this year that – aren't quite taking in the full gravity of what he has as a quarterback through these four games. Yeah, and I'm really glad you mentioned that one. I brought up that pass to Mario Anderson, Wes, to you earlier today on the GC Takeover Hour on 107.5 the game. Um, that was a pass that was basically just thrown, you know, a foot, you know, aside, but about a, a, a bit, almost a lateral, almost the equivalent of a lateral, right? And if you just saw that, right, if you just went and saw in an analytics, you know, he, he threw a, a pass basically at or behind the line of scrimmage, and then a guy ran and got, what did he get on that, nine yards, I think, Wes, nine, ten yards, I think Mario Anderson got on that. You know, okay, the, the analytics may not love that, but the, the pocket was collapsing. He was able to kind of brush a guy off. He was able to adjust his arm angle and get it. And Dowell Loggins, you could tell how – how big he was on that play um, just said that those are types of plays that you go get points based off of plays like that. So it was funny too, Wes, because uh, you know how sometimes you'll, you'll hear a person say, I, I, I can't talk about that. And then you keep talking. They eventually will talk about whatever the subject is. Dow Loggins kept saying, you know, I want to be careful not to give too much praise. Um, but he, he gave lots of praise. I mean, he went on and on about Spencer Rattler and, and that's how good he's been, man. That's how important he's been uh, to this offense. I was actually looking, you know, speaking of analytics, here's one that I think is a pretty good one, Wes. So Spencer Rattler, um, there, is a, there is a metric that our guy, Clark Brooks at SEC StatCat uses that's called creation rate. Now, I'm not 100% sure what this is, but my guess is that means the amount of plays that a guy's able to go and basically – make something right Spencer Rattler who is now officially a dual threat quarterback I think Wes um five is his creation rate that trails only 
K.J. Jefferson out of quarterbacks that actually play a good bit. Trails only K.J. Jefferson of Arkansas, who is, of course, as South Carolina fans found out, a big-time uh, creator and, and a guy that can really, really run the football. Rattler also at 4.2% on turnover-worthy plays. So he's been very, very low there. Um, and, and the thing, I mean, here's one of the analytics. Adjusted depth of target, 8.07, pretty low compared to some other quarterbacks. So there's where sometimes, depending on what the analytics formulas are, they may not like that. But here's what I would say, Wes. If you just watch the football game, you can yes. see that that some, not all of these short throws are created equal. And here's the other thing. Spencer Rattler's been pretty darn successful on some longer throws as well. Um, some deep, you know, digs over the middle. We saw the ball to Xavier Leggett right after halftime that he dropped right in there versus man coverage. Then Xavier Leggett runs the rest of the way for a touchdown. He's really been successful in every area. It's it's not like he's just checked down Charlie back there, right? He, he's making plays, and I think that's what really stands out. Well, a lot of these throws are not – the short throws are not just check downs. And, you know, some some of them are designed throws to the outside or built-in extensions on the RPO where you're just getting the ball out, you know, as an extension of the run game. But that stat – and I, I believe the one that kind of came into question was success rate, which then the next step of that is what is your – sort of expected points added on, on passing plays. And here's the thing. You're kind of docking Rattler points for throwing the ball short um, and then saying a lot of those aren't as successful when we know it's kind of been a mixed bag, Chris, on blocking on the outside on some of these perimeter throws. Well, when he's actually dropped back and thrown the football, I mean, I, I can remember years where South Carolina, multiple games into the season is going, are, are we going to hit a deep ball at some point? Like, they, they've hit deep throw after deep throw this year. In fact, I would say, you know, these are, in theory, your low percentage throws. They've hit more deep balls than they've missed, honestly, which is not, not very many people can say that, I feel like. So, um the average depth of target is low, but a lot of that is because you're including those quick throws to the outside in that. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if that – I mean, the stats are what they are. I don't want to say they're not fair because they're just stats. They just are what they are. But I just don't think they quite show the full picture of what Rattler has been for South Carolina. Not that, not that he needs us to defend him. Anybody – I think NFL scouts are watching what he's doing right now, man, and they don't need anybody to tell them how impressive this has been. In fact, I'm I'm looking forward to kind of diving in and um, seeing if, Chris, maybe you and I can put together something, especially going into the bye week, on just how much Rattler and, you know, talk about improvements, Leggett, has, you know, both those guys have made to their draft stock going into this next offseason because, uh, you know, I, I've already heard rumblings, not that it's a surprise at all, but people I talk with that are kind of involved in that community, that NFL teams are going, all right, guys, who who's 17? Like, what uh, what's the backstory? What do we need to know here? Uh, what's the word? And so, you know, both these guys have just um, very much – increase their stock into the point. I think Leggett is top three round guy. And I think that's conservative. When you look at the way he kind of had like ran away from an SEC defense on Saturday at his size, it's one thing to be fast in the 40. It's another to have like the GPS tracking, you know, AI thing online where they're like locking it in on a guy and saying, this is how fast he ran. But, just trust your eyes. That was an SEC defense, and he exploded out of a freaking cannon, man. Like, uh, like those deep, like those defensive backs were standing still. Yeah, he, he did. If you're if you're the least bit flat footed, or even if you're not, Wes uh, Xavier Leggett will run right by you. And uh, to your point, so a couple of different things. I want to talk a little bit more 
before we get off Rattler's efficiency, but on Leggett, I have been doing a little bit of checking. We've been you and I same same wavelength now nowadays with what we're kind of working on and checking on. And so I actually asked this morning on Xavier Leggett and kind of what the thought is. Right now, he's already taken himself west to like a third, fourth round draft pick. Like that's the book right now. But if he keeps it up, there's more room to go up. Like he could go as like second round. West, we, we've seen guys that have not even had the type of season that he is having. Again, he does have to continue it. We're four games through that have gone, you know, first round, second round, right? And you look at Xavier Leggett, like, like he checks all the trait boxes too. And really, he's always checked the trait boxes. It's just about matching the production on the field. Now he's starting to do that. So on on Spencer Rattler, one thing that struck me while you were talking about the deep throws is what was one of the things that we talked about coming into this year with Spencer Rattler and the deep throws? That was, yes, the arm's extremely impressive. He hit on some of those deep throws. You think about uh, you know, the one to Xavier Leggett, actually, in the bowl game. You think about the 72-yarder to Juice Wells against Clemson. But there were several, you know, near hits, near misses last year as well that you said, you know, with a little bit of a better throw or if a guy could just have hauled that in, it would have been a huge play. Can they convert on more of those? We may have seen maybe less opportunities this year, Wes, but I actually feel like the deep casting game has been more efficient when they've taken their spots, when they've tried to hit a shot. Spencer Rattler's making good decisions about when to try those, when to throw them. I also think that Dowell Loggins, part of how he's administering this offense is something that Spencer Rattler talked about a lot in the offseason. That is, yeah, they're throwing the ball downfield, but they're getting the ball out quickly. You can tell it has been a point of emphasis to get the ball out, even against North Carolina when there were nine sacks in that game. We saw oftentimes the ball getting out quickly, kind of by design. And so that goes back to me to kind of this marriage between Rattler and Dowell Loggins, how it's been, they've been so good for each other. For Loggins, you can trust Spencer Rattler. He's earned that from you. For Rattler, you've got an offensive coordinator that's really playing to your strengths and giving you the keys, so to speak. Um, but it's also helped because, you know, you're not yeah, there are reads in the offense, but there are times where if you see something, you know, go for it. And he's earned that trust. So I, I think really what we are seeing in the analytics doesn't tell the whole story. But the part of the story that it does show is a lot of this is by design within the offense. Well, and uh, then the other side of that, the not by design part is where you have an RPO called and – you know, it, it's a read, but it's not a zone read like we typically think of. You know, zone read, you're reading that defensive end, crashing down. Uh, you either keep it if you're the quarterback or you give it. This is an RPO read where they're still leaving that guy unblocked. And Spencer just sees, oh, I got green grass and says, I'm going to go make a play. And and he does. That was that long run in the second half that um, helped uh, – help sort of promote a scoring drive there as well. And that that's when you're really talking about something. You know, I, I liked hearing Loggins' perspective on it. We'd already heard Rattler's. It, he kind of equated it to the Lenora Sellers throw early in the year where Sellers was like, that's not where I was supposed to go with the ball. But it's like sometimes you have guys that expand beyond the X's and O's. And one thing I really – like just enjoy hearing Loggins talk about Chris is some, you know, some coaches, man, are so dialed into, Hey, this is my scheme. This is the way it has to be done. You will play within my scheme. And if you don't, we have an issue. Loggins, I feel like is much more about, Hey, why did you do this? And then if he gets an explanation that he's okay with, then it's, Okay, you you had a sound decision. It wasn't how we drew it up. It wasn't how we schemed it. But football is not played on paper. Football is not, you know, when you draw it up, you're not anticipating these guys hitting you, basically. You're, you're drawing it up in a perfect world. When you're not in a perfect world, when you're in a game situation, sometimes you kind of have to just, uh, not freestyle, but in ex to an extent, you have to freestyle with a little bit of control as far as knowing where you are on the field 
having some wherewithal. And I, I think that's what Spencer is doing right now, man. Like he was playing, he is walking the line, really, between playing within the scheme, knowing when to fit the ball in a tight window, knowing when to live to fight another down. And uh, in this case, even added in that element of running the football, but not even where he was forced to run the football, Chris. It was, I see this huge opening. There was no hesitation. It was, I see it, I'm going. I'm taking and, it. Um, that, that's so rare, I feel like, man. Like I feel like quarterbacks are kind of always on one end of this spectrum or another. It's rare to have a guy who is playing within the confines of the scheme when when that's there, but then still is making those, I would say, next-level decisions that kind of go above and beyond the called X's and O's. Yeah, and I think that's when Spencer is at his best, you know. Um, when he's able to improvise and look, we saw it at the end of last year. I know we've said it a million times when he was able to go kind of play more fast and free. He's, he was playing his best football this year. Um, I don't think, I think we've seen enough to where I, and heard enough West to where I don't think there's any doubt that he really likes playing in this scheme. I think it's, it's, you know, better for him overall. Um, because he does have that freedom to, you know, change things. He's got that freedom to feel like he can go and improvise and make those plays. And I, I think it's great. It, it is a big time balance with what he's done. And th- there have been some areas where you've seen him grow this year to where if he sees a matchup, he's taking it. He's been decisive in the pocket. You know, ha- have there been still some moments that I think he would like to have back in the pocket? Yes, there's one you can think of against Georgia. He mentioned a couple instances the other night against Mississippi State where he kind of ran himself into some sacks but you can see the growth from last season this year in the pocket and then West the running element I think has really it's it's honestly surprised me right like I thought there'd be better pocket presence but his ability to go out by himself time scramble um, he he by far and this is actually a problem but he has what seven runs is that what I said earlier of 10 yards or more uh this mm-hmm. season while South Carolina's running backs only have one that that part is obviously a problem but Spencer's been huge in more ways than one for this team and one of them is that added element of being able to run the football yeah for for sure man and I uh I think you actually go back to this Tennessee game last year the way he played down the stretch of the year to me a big part of that was making those good decisions on when to run, when to step up, um, when to take the hit as you throw. And I think we were starting to see this element of his game kind of display itself during that stretch towards the end of last year. Um, something I want to get into, and I'm going to turn the page this here in a second, then we're going to talk defense and special teams. But as we turn it to this week, it sure feels like when Tennessee talks about Rattler, Josh Heupel early this week, bringing up the ability outside of the pocket. Now, whether that is actually running outside the pocket or keeping your eyes downfield, something I think Rattler does a fantastic job of, that to me, just listening to Heupel talk, sort of being fluent in coach speak and what you pay attention to and what you don't, that's what is keeping Tennessee up at night, in my opinion, is the idea of letting seven get out of the pocket and hurt them in that regard again after just going straight up, you know, NFL blitz, I'm on fire, um, not going to miss a single throw on them last year. And and you don't want to say single-handedly winning that game because it took a lot of people, but they clearly played off of Rattler's confidence and edge. He was vibing as, uh, as Dow Loggins. <laughs> Dialogue is introducing his wide uh, vocabulary today that um, Rattler's been vibing lately. So, um, anyway, before we talk about that, though, Chris, going to tell everybody about Game Time and the Game Time app, also on GameTime.co. We've all been in a spot where we frustratingly could not find tickets. Chris, did you know that the NLDS Game 1 for the Braves is actually on the Saturday of South Carolina's bye week? Oh, now I know. It is. However, I I got onto the pre-sale list 
but I still could not get a non-aftermarket ticket straight from the Braves. So what are we going to do? We're going to pull up the Game Time app. You can do the exact same. Maybe you want to take a last-minute trip to Knoxville. Um, if you want to do that, use our code GAMECOCKS to get $20 off your first purchase. I've already used my code, so I can't use it again. I already took advantage. But if you haven't, you can take advantage. They've got last-minute ticket deals, flash deals, zone deals, lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection. They even have job loss protection. I don't even honestly, frankly, know how that works, but they do have it. And my favorite part is the all-in pricing, which means you can see what your final price is up front, off the bat, you know exactly what you're going to pay as opposed to getting to the end and then finding out that it is a different price. Um, they're absolutely obsessed with finding ways to help you save money. And again, like I said, it is guaranteed. So if you find a ticket in the same section, same row for less for the same game, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Again, that's GameTime.co and the Game Time app. Gamecocks for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. They want me to spell out Gamecocks, but I got a feeling if you're on our podcast, you can spell it yourself. So just go to GameTime.co. Hopefully. Hopefully. If you can't spell it at this point, um, I don't know if you get to have the $20 off. We'll just put it like that. (laughs) So, Chris, how worried is Tennessee about Spencer Rattler at this exact moment in time? Well, I think anybody that plays against Spencer Rattler is going to be concerned about him, right? I mean, um, the guy, Dow Loggins went back to the well of the spaghetti sauce, right, (laughs) again, of covering things up as a play caller for a team. You know, for the offensive line, if you let Rusher free or the pocket collapses, a lot of times Spencer Rattler can make that right, you know? if your running game isn't working in the game, a lot of times he can make that right. If you get a penalty and now you're in third and long, he can make a big time throw and make that right for you. The, the issue for South Carolina is not putting that on him over and over, even though he showed that he could uh, he can answer that call over and over. But yeah, I mean, he, with with the way that he's playing, West, that confidence that he's playing with has to be concerning for Tennessee uh, and every team. Conversely, I think playing against this Tennessee defense that has to be a concern for South Carolina because they do have a good bit of talent, especially up front. They've been quite disruptive this year. You you do realize that your run game is still, you know, very much a work in progress as well. So um, yeah, I think to, to go back to your question, um, definitely it's something that you're concerned about. You know, if you're Tennessee, you're looking at this group and you're going the, the areas that you really got to try to take care of are Xavier Leggett, Spencer Rattler, and I think you probably look at the tight ends next. I think mm-hmm. what Rattler and Leggett have been able to do, West, despite everybody knowing that that's the connection that you have to watch, that's really a testament. I think that shows Dowell Loggins is doing a good job of being able to schematically get them into some things that are going to create some one-on-one opportunities, and they've been able to win a lot of those. So um, I think if you're Tennessee, you're trying to find ways schematically uh, – to, to not allow those one-on-ones and to try to disrupt things and, and not let Rattler out of the pocket and try to find ways to affect them. That's probably number one on their uh, – the Tennessee version of keys to the game is try to find a way to affect Spencer Rattler. Yeah, and, and sort of when I read what the Tennessee sites are saying, what VolQuest is saying, they're talking about keep Rattler in the pocket. So I know that's been a huge discussion piece among people in Knoxville. Uh, you know, it's, it's just what he can do when he is creating things on his own. Um, so around the sports world, we don't really talk much NBA on here. I don't really watch a ton of NBA, but some breaking news. Quantrell knows telling us here, Chris, uh, Damian Lillard is on the move to the Bucks. Uh, ESPN dropping a woge bomb, if you will. Um, so that's that's big news. The, the more, I would say, college football and then, of course, affecting South Carolina news today is uh, Connor Wegman. Foot injury, season ending, according to Texags. And um, we, we won't stay long on this, Chris, but obviously that's something that is going to affect the South Carolina-Texas A&M game. 
in a few weeks. And then let's sort of spin this into this week, Joe Milton. Some, you know, we, we know we got banged up. That part was public. That part was known. And um, I'll let you sort of take it from here because I thought you said it well earlier. But Heupel definitely gave the I'm a head coach who doesn't have to give you a full injury report. You know, he's with us. He's Very with good. us. Is, that's never good, in my opinion. No, he's with us. <laughs> no, no. He's yeah. with us. He, he, he might not have even meant it that way, but like whoever, if I was Josh Heupel's PR consultant or the SID at Tennessee, I'd be like, don't use he's with us anymore. Don't, don't, don't pull that one. Yeah, I mean, he was asked, hey, what, what is the status? And Josh, Josh Heupel said, look, I know, I know there's a picture floating around. We know about that. Um, he's with us. He, I think he said he practiced that day. Um, didn't say how much, you know, of course. And then, um, you know, talked a little bit more about that situation, but didn't give a lot away. And, and, and just from what we've heard, Wes, and you could also tell because it wasn't a, that's ridiculous. He's totally fine. There's no injury at all. I, I do think that there's definitely credence to the idea that Joe Milton may not be hundred percent going into this game. And so what does that mean? Well, you know, you don't think of Joe Milton as an 80 yard runner. You think of him as an, an 80 yard thrower, right? Um, but he had one, you know, against uh, Texas San Antonio or as uh, the Charlotte head coach, Biff Poggy called it Tennessee San Antonio. Uh, it's a good football team, Tennessee San Antonio, which is, oh, uh, which is hilarious. But, he he does have that element, right? And then you you know thinking about a quarterback and just all the pocket movement and things like that. Something to watch, if indeed he's not a hundred percent. Now my my guess, Wes, is he's going to play. Nico, I, I'm I'm not yet going there on the pronunciation. I've been studying the pronunciation guide for the freshman backup quarterback. Been not ready to, there. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to try it out on GC Live just yet. Uh, but yeah, this this is this is an angle to watch for the Gamecocks. Uh, Clayton White was not asked about Joe Milton's health today. Uh, he would probably, if he was, just say, "I have no idea." We're preparing for Joe Milton. He did talk about obviously his talent level, but um, that's another one, Wes. I mean, you know, if you're going to South Carolina, keys to the game, obviously affecting Tennessee's quarterback and getting him out of rhythm. But I think I'm I'm going more general early key to the game preview just affecting this front because Tennessee wants to run the football. They're three deep with guys that can hurt you at the running back position. And I think particularly if Milton is a little banged up this week, they're probably going to want to rely on that aspect of this game even more. Yeah. And uh, Wade asked, is it his knee that's banged up? Yeah. I mean, that that's what it looked like. Um, you know, I, I think with, with him, and I, I, you know, you notice also, Chris Heibel didn't deny that that was Milton in the picture. He said, "Look, we," he basically said, "We have our guys checked out by outside sources too, not just in the building." So it sounds like he went and and got looked out by someone who's not on the Tennessee staff, which is is pretty common. Obviously, if, if a guy gets banged up, you want to make sure there's no legitimate damage that is here that a, a player could be dealing with. Um, I think something to keep an eye on, even if healthy, though, Milton, we all know about the big arm. And then the the narrative all offseason, I feel like, was just that he's going to slide right back in to the system. And it's going to be just he's going to be able to spread the ball around the same way Hinden, Hinden Hooker did. And it was going to be seamless. We really have not seen that, frankly. Like, it has not been like that. And. I think there's just a lot of, what's the word, much like South Carolina's offense has quite a bit of volatility right now because they have had to rely just on big passes so much this year. I feel like Tennessee, there's some volatility here as well in that Milton's just not a consistently accurate quarterback. Like, that doesn't mean he can't fit it in a window because he absolutely can. Like, there will be times when you're like, you know, that's a that is an NFL throw, and there's there's throws he's gonna make that he might be the only guy in college football who can make the throw. But then there are gonna be other times where he just misses 
throws that that he probably should make. So it's the consistency of the accuracy for him, which I think has been part of the issue with Tennessee this year. Chris, I described them in my recent Carolina Confidential as just being very momentum-based on offense. And, you know, I don't even know if that's something you can, like, quantify, but it, it just feels to me like this offense is either stuck in the mud or it's the complete opposite and it is rolling down the hill at you and there's nothing you can do about it and there's not a whole lot of in-between. Yeah, and that's, you know, job number one for South Carolina is you want to make Joe Milton, Joe Milton beat you. You know, if if he if they throw the football over your head again, like we saw against Mississippi State, it's not fun to watch, right? Nobody wants to see 70, 80-yard touchdowns. But if that's how they're beating you, you would almost rather that, Wes, rather that approach than them just running the football up and down. And you can't sub because they're getting first down after first down, and then they're hitting a few passes on you. Um, then maybe they're hitting a long ball every now and then. You want to make it to where Joe Milton is going to have to throw the football over your head and connect on it over and over. We saw against Mississippi State, Will Rogers, to his credit, was really, really accurate on most of the deep balls that he threw. I think he had one or two that were, honestly, Wes probably could have been caught that weren't. The Dietrich Griffin certainly did not drop any of them, and he punished the Gamecocks with 256 receiving yards, I believe. Point is, Milton has shown in the past that he is a little bit erratic. He can throw it a mile for sure, and he'll hit some of them, but he has not been super accurate over the course of his career, so that's what you want to make him do. I actually have another stat, Wes, pertaining to another point I want to make about Joe Milton. I'm going to drop it, but first I'm going to tell the people about our good buddy Trey Harrell. If you've been injured in an auto accident in the state of South Carolina, this is the guy you need to call. This is the guy you need to check out. Wes and I ran into Trey Harrell and his beautiful daughter up in Charlotte. We were over there hanging out over at College Game Day in Charlotte for the season opener. Saw Trey. Great guy. Very helpful guy because Trey Harrell's going to help folks injured in auto accidents all over the state of South Carolina and all over Gamecock country. If you want to learn more about Trey Harrell, learn more about what he can do for you or your friends or your loved ones, you can check him out, attorneyharrell.com, or on social media, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at Trey Helps. I follow him, Wes, and you can see um, actually a lot of helpful tips, a lot of interesting things that he tweets and puts out social media posts about. So if you've unfortunately been injured in an auto accident in the Palmetto State, don't go at it alone. Make sure you find an attorney who's going to fight for you, going to fight to get what you deserve. Find an attorney who helps. Remember that that is Trey Harrell. Trey helps on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok or attorneyharrell.com. Appreciate Trey Harrell helping us bring you GC Live a couple times a week. All right, Wes, I'm putting up another graphic now. I don't have any cool music. It is the stat of the week. This is a throwback. Our guy, Gamecock Russ. Miss you, Russ. Where the heck has Russ been, man? I know he's still on Twitter. He's probably been working, but I feel like he's been tweeting somewhat recently, including today. And so I I know I have permission to use this because we used this in the past, and he also tagged me in his tweet. So I'm going to use it. Does he still love us, man? Like he hasn't been on the show at all. I think he I think he loves us. I think he does. Right. I, I he has Gamecock Central subscriber in his X bio, his Twitter bio. So I'm gonna say he still loves us. But Russ, okay. come back to the show, man. We need you. We want to see you. Here it is. Stat of the day, stat of the week from Russ. South Carolina has not intercepted a pass in Knoxville since 2015. The Gamecocks have not intercepted a pass off Tennessee in general since 2016. That's when they picked off Joshua Dobbs, last seen getting an NFL win, right, Wes? They picked him off twice in 2016. And Gamecock Russ also wonders, is this the year that those streaks end? Well, it needs to be. It needs to be. It needs to be. Um you know, and it goes back to the reason I wanted to loop that in, show some love to our guy, Gamecock Russ. is a very interesting stat. Um, and, yeah, Steel Curtain's right. It needs to change. You're right, Wes. It needs to change. Can you force uh, some mistakes out of Joe Milton? This is a 
a Gamecock team that has, I think, five turnovers so far this season, West, through four games. That's a number that you would like to grow if you're South Carolina. Gamecocks had a couple of really big turnovers last week against Mississippi State. I feel like to win this game on the road, you might need a turnover or two. Um, Can you force Joe Milton, who, again, may come into this game a little banged up, can you force some erratic throws and make make him pay with a mistake? Are we glossing over just how well South Carolina stopped the run against Mississippi State because of the big plays in the passing game that were allowed? Um, I, I kind of feel like there's a belief out there. Maybe I'm wrong. I kind of feel like there's a belief, Chris, that South Carolina just sold its soul to stop the run, and that's why those big pass plays were available. If you go back and look now, maybe from an attention standpoint, from like a mindset, from like attacking the box mindset, yes, their focus was clearly on the run. You know, was some play action, did some play action contribute to the issues stopping the pass? Absolutely. However, from a scheme standpoint, it's not like they put everybody in the box. This is not. You know, both safeties weren't up at the line of scrimmage for the entire game. It's not like they just said, we're going to play man-free, which is no safety help deep the whole game, and stop the run. In a lot of ways, Chris, to me, it looked like a similar scheme to what we've seen them run in the past where they've tried to stop the run and have not had success. Like, to me, they they stopped the run because they were getting off blocks. They stopped the run because the linebackers were shooting gaps and making plays. And just look at the difference in how they – you remember my, like, worst-case scenario was that Mississippi State comes in and does what Missouri did last year. Mississippi State wanted to run stretch zone. They wanted to run outside zone. South Carolina beat their guys up front, created penetration, turned those plays back inside, and then their linebackers tackled. So yeah. I, I think uh, I think that's getting glossed over just a little bit. Like uh, I think it deserves a little bit more mention because I'm I'm pulling up the stats now. So Woody Marks, just to reiterate, we talked about it last week. This was your leading rusher in the SEC coming in. So it's not even a matchup based thing where you just faced a team that stinks at running the football and all of a sudden you think, oh, now we're good at stopping the run? Like, they they ran the football well. Right now, Marks, after this game, is now second in the SEC. But, Chris, to throw another stat in there that sort of speaks to the challenge ahead for South Carolina, Tennessee has three rushers this season that ha- that all have more rushing yards than any one South Carolina running back. So that gives you some perspective on how well they've run the football compared to how South Carolina's run the ball. Now, obviously, South Carolina's played a difficult schedule. It gets skewed a little bit by who you've played. We all know it's still early, but I, I do think that just kind of illustrates a little bit of how they've been able to just roll guys in there and still get production out of their rushing attack. Yeah, and I mean, I mentioned earlier, Wes, three deep, and and those numbers back it up. I mean, Dylan Sampson, who I think may be their third leading rusher, has five touchdowns, right? I think their yards per carry averages are something like 6.9, 7 point something, and 6 point something else, right? So, they're again, they're doing a really good job. I mean, a lot of the – people always think about the, the passing game with Tennessee, but we had to say this last year, too. They can run the football, and they like to run the football. It's going to be, I think, a similar situation. To go back to Mississippi State, yes, we we have glossed over that a little bit, Wes. I think for a few reasons. Number one, South Carolina won the game. I think number two, there's more focus on the defense playing so poorly on the back end, giving up a whole bunch of yards and a whole bunch of passing plays. And I also think there are some caveats to the run game performance, and it, it, it can be both, I think, is the answer. The caveats are, remember, Mississippi State did come in with some offensive line questions. That said, Woody Marks was the leading rusher in the SEC, right? Now, they had not played a great schedule either. 
which is also the case with Tennessee. They played Florida, which they lost, and then they played three not very good teams, right? And so that it gets a little bit skewed beyond that. Um, but and, and Woody Marks also got banged up in the game, remember? So I, I think Clayton White addressed this during his presser today. He mentioned that it was a victory for them in that the defense did force the team to be one-dimensional. That's always a goal of any defense. If you can make a team one-dimensional, that's a good thing. And typically that means stopping the run, right? Making them beat you through the air. Um, they did that. The The downside of that, the negative side, was they they let Will, made Will Rogers beat them, and oftentimes he did, right? But <laughs> I'm not throwing a million caveats. Clayton White was also right. And that they were able to, because it became a game where they had to pass the ball and they were not running it effectively, even though they wanted to, that forced some turnover opportunities, mm-hmm. right? You had the interception, you had the fumble. And so that just goes to show when you go to Knoxville, if you can slow down this running game and put it on Joe Milton, maybe you're getting some mistakes and the chances of making mistakes in the passing game, I think, go up, particularly with a quarterback that's shown a propensity for not always being accurate. Yeah, I I mean, that is a fantastic point, man, because I think it goes back to last year. Remember we were talking about how South Carolina's defense against some opponents was giving up so much on the ground that those opponents were not forced to put the ball in danger at all. They just said, look, we're going to run the football. We know we're going to get three, four, five, six yards of carry, and there's no point in putting it in danger. We're not going to get our quarterback hit. And you force – your quarterback to have to try to make something happen on the third down, you know, down near the the red zone area, you force your quarterback to get hit by, uh, you know, get the ball hit by strong down there. When you force a team to do something as opposed to them doing it on their own accord, then I think that's when things can happen. And to the point of, let's see, the point of Michael on Facebook, Tennessee, you know, to kind of, I guess, speak to the opponents here and trying to adjust for that. They didn't run the ball exceptionally well against Florida. Now, they weren't just completely shut out, but um, 100 yards on 30 carries, that that probably doesn't tell the whole story. There's some Joe Milton runs in here. I don't know how many of those were sacks. I like to just look at the running backs to to get a a good view of that. Jalen Wright. 16 carries for 63 yards, a long of just 12. That's 3.9 yards a carry, which is, you know, if you're a run-first football team, if that's what you're kind of building your offense around, you know, that's Florida had to go into the meeting room feeling pretty good about that, I feel like. So if you're South Carolina, if you can do anything close to that, I think you actually probably feel halfway decent about your chances of, of winning in Knoxville. Overall, let's see, they helped. Now, Joe Milton actually ended up throwing for 287 yards, but it it just didn't feel like it. It did not feel like a very efficient day for Tennessee's offense. They were forced to go for it on some fourth downs. You know, I don't don't think they got a couple of them. And just uh, Florida controlled that game. So this, to me, Chris, is a winnable game for South Carolina. This is, they're going to have to play well, don't get me wrong. But it's not a monumental, un, undoable thing either, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, this, again, <laughs> said it so many times, this is one of those um, kind of toss-up games, right? And even the, I say that even though South Carolina is, what, a double-digit dog still, this lands in that territory for me when you go up and down the schedule of being kind of in, in the toss-up territory, right? Um, this is not as difficult of a game for me as, say, the Georgia contest by any means. Um, I'm with you that the Gamecocks have to play well. If you go and play kind of an average game, you'll get beat. Could end up getting beat handily, actually, if you go up there there to, Knox- to Knoxville and don't play very well. Uh, but still a winnable game. I, I kind of view so many of these SEC contests in a similar vein and that they're all going to be, I think, a few plays, you know, here and there, A&M, Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee. I don't look at any of those games and say, man, one of those teams is just so much better than the other. But this is the type of game that South Carolina needs to capture. I think 
the Mississippi State game, even though it was at home, even though you were favored. For me, Wes, it was kind of in that toss-up territory. I picked the Gamecocks by four in that one. Haven't made my pick for this weekend yet. Have you? Have you made it privately? Are you there? I'm not there. I'm, I'm not, not there. there yet. Not sure. Honestly, sitting here on Wednesday, not sure which direction I'm going to go. We'll find out later this week. Picks are due to call him by tomorrow, by the way. So we'll see. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I've been back and forth. I was back and forth on what my score was going to be against Mississippi State, but I always felt like it was probably going to be South Carolina that I went with. But I don't know, man. It's, I, I know by the numbers, South Carolina closed about six-and-a-half-point favorite over Mississippi State. This is a little bit bigger than that, obviously, but I I kind of would skew if, – if you played them ten times, like I, I really think South Carolina was a, a touchdown better than Mississippi State. Tennessee, I felt like it's probably a touchdown, touchdown plus better than South Carolina, but I I didn't think it was 11 and a half, 12, whatever. That's a little bit high, in my opinion, based on what we know about Tennessee and South Carolina at this point. So very interesting one. Very interesting. Um, all right, there's more to get to, but guess what? We're pretty much out of time. But we do have more shows later this week. So Mike, you will be on on Thursday afternoon. Then Chris and I will be back final preview on Friday. But before we get out of here, going to tell you about our good friends at Liberty Tax. Chris, uh, just our daily check-in. Any taxiety at this point? Absolutely none. Didn't even have to think about it. And why is that? <laughs> that is because I hit up Larry and his team at Liberty Tax. Two locations, very convenient, both on St. Andrews Road out in Irmo. And you can give them a call to schedule an appointment at 803-462-5556. I always laugh when I see that pencil on the graphic for those watching. Yeah, taxes, they could that, call. That pencil has been crushed. It has, seen, it has seen better days. And you know what, man? There are a lot of horror stories with taxes. Have you always done your taxes correctly? Do, do you do your taxes at all? If not, you probably have a lot of tax anxiety. <laughs> Uh, you can hit up our friend Larry. He is super knowledgeable. He's been at it for a while, Wes. My wife and I have met with him. I've chatted with him several times. Just chatted with him not too long ago, last week I think it was, and he gave me some tips on some changes to what's been going on in our state in South Carolina with the tax code, some things that I didn't know that really helped me out. And I, I actually, Wes, full disclosure, had a little bit of tax anxiety about estimated taxes coming up. And I talked to Larry and it was gone instantly, gone instantly because he can come up with a great plan for you. Even if it's not tax season, he can really help you plan for the future. So hit them up. Liberty tax, 803-462-5576. So something that might give Gamecock fans not tax anxiety, but maybe a little bit of anxiety would be that I just sorted this running back rushing statistics by yards per carry, Chris. Uh-oh. Tennessee has the two highest yards per carry among any rushers in the SEC, according mm. to SNCSports.com. So, mm. Dylan Sampson, 7.37. That's on 27 carries. And then Jalen Wright, who I remember, didn't South Carolina try to flip him at one point? Yeah, so they, they definitely – Definitely recruited him. Um, they recruited him. They've got a guy, Khalifa Keith, out of Alabama, who is not – he's only had a handful of carries. Gamecocks are heavily involved with him. Dylan Sampson, who I mentioned earlier from Louisiana, they offered. I don't think we're in heavily with. But, yeah, Jalen Wright was a the guy they're pretty heavily involved with. Yep, so 6.93 yards of carry for Jalen Wright. That's over 45 carries. So you're starting to build up a, uh, a sample size there. Trevor Etienne is third. <laughs> you know who's fourth? Hmm. Trevor Logan Etienne Diggs. Ooh. LSU mm. transfer from Notre Dame that South Carolina tried to get. And, man, poor Vanderbilt. Ray Davis, former Commodore. Yeah. Checking in at fifth with 314 yards so far this year. 6.28 yards per carry now wearing Kentucky blue, which is someone South Carolina will have to deal with here in Columbia not too long from now. But 
Anyway, all right, like I said, we're out of time for Chris. I'm Wes. We'll talk to y'all soon. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.